Hey everybody, welcome to Big Black Clock Podcast. Today it's our host Dimitri and Carl. We're fully equipped today. Yeah, fully equipped for winning. Yeah, how are you Carl? I'm doing okay man, end of the year, last episode of uh, 2020. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a little Looking bit... Looking forward to uh, next year? If It can only be better than uh, versus 2020 I think. It, does it feel like someone's missing? Nah, really? Why? No? Uh, you know, I just had a weird feeling. No, thanks for reassuring me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, like the, your mic's good. My mic's good. Yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah, we only had two mics anyways. Yeah, yeah I don't know why I said that. Sorry. Um, so this is um, probably going to be the last podcast of this year. And uh, we'll celebrate it by taking a huge tangent. We won't really be talking about clocks. Uh, no, it, it does start with a C though. Cars? Oh, cars. Ooh. Oh. Well, look at me. So I'm, all so I'm sure you've already been guessing this and uh, you guessed it, right? It. <laughs> the title of this podcast today would be a huge tangent for F1. We will talk about the F1 2020 season. Yeah. Maybe the highlights, the, the biggest uh, events and mention a little bit about 2021 and 2022. Pretty much. Uh, so to close this year, pretty much, uh, for people who don't know, uh, me and Dimo are let's say, fan of F1, we uh, watch as many races as we can and get into the loop of all that uh, drama and the Netflix oh, specials. Yeah. I watch F1 for the drama. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we just wanted to close the year, talk about what's going on and um, what we could expect for 2021. There's going to be uh, like a, let's say, half year before the new regulation of 2022. Yeah, excellent. All right, so F1 it is. Uh, before we start, you want to do a quick risk check? Uh, yeah, so Twitter Heritage Ranger on the uh, Camo NATO. Um, it's been wearing that watch for a full all week now. It's ah, man, it's 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 really special. Like it's the old design for the Twitter logo. Right. It's the um. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a, it's it it's like an explorer, right? But a- and I'm not yeah, <laughs> and I'm not trying to 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 shit on Twitter for that as I usually do, but. You know, it's, I, it's a it's a perfect yeah, watch for all occasions. I think there's like three big tutors. There's that Ranger that's a like explorer homage, old timey version right. of it. There's right. my Epilogus that's really special because it's kind of unique. Yeah. And there's the Black Bay. That's right. kind of their flagship. Right. Right. All the other tutor, I think there's discussion on you like him or, or not. Like the PO one, you can it's eight or love. The um North Flag is the same. North flag is the same, right? People don't always right. like it. And after that, the whole other range can be intermixed for me, at least. What was the original? You have it on a camo uh, NATO, right? What, yeah. what was the original strap for it? The uh, That NATO. Oh, that's the original <laughs> yeah, strap? So it came with that and the leather. Okay. And um, got an aftermarket bracelet, too. So okay. Like all three yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen you with that. And I think, shout out to uh, Strap Code, I think. This is the bracelet you got. It Probably. From. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Miltat. I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They do but, pretty good uh, milled uh, bracelets. Yeah. Um, they sponsor a- us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did somebody say that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just go on Instagram. You'll see a bunch of pictures of my um, Ranger, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are you wearing this week, uh, Dima? So, I bought a watch from uh, um, an acquaintance of mine. <laughs> so, I'm wearing a, a Hamilton Murph, and I... I actually, I think I actually watched the. So Carmelton Murph is a is a is a hockey khaki uh, uh, style watch from a brand called Hamilton. They collaborated with um, uh, the production company that did Interstellar, yeah. and their watches were present in the movie. And this watch was made after the movie already came out, but because it created such a popularity, yeah. they basically reproduced the watch that the main character uh, was wearing in the movie, and. 
it, it kind of it still follows, and I think it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Tudor Rangers and the the Rolex Explorers, right? Yeah. For the style of the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a field watch. It's a field watch that's a no nonsense, uh, but they also made it a little bit prettier than usual standard um, khaki uh, watches because they added cathedral hands to it. Yeah. Obviously, the there's a bit of a gilt thing going yep. on. They've um, you know they they they've they they've kind of uh, to me I think they've pre- perfected the khaki. Uh, a watch, and I I really love it. I don't want to buy the same exact watch that you already have, but I honestly I cannot find another khaki it's hard for, watch for, that that appeals to me as much as this one. And obviously, yeah. you know, a worthy mention is that because it's a reference to the movie Interstellar, the second's hand. If you look closely, you almost need a microscope because it's hard to see. Has little marks on it, and those marks are actually a Morse code that stands for Eureka. Yeah, if you saw the movie, it's like the <clears throat> uh, the peak of the movie. You much. will see exactly. If you, I'm sure everybody's seen that movie by far. It's one of the greatest movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, sci-fi. Um, it's um, that that you know the, the, that that Eureka on the second's hand is has a plays a huge role. It, it plays yeah the role. The, that that watch and Eureka are like the centerpiece of the movie. Like when it when you both understand what's going on and like the story is speaking. It's, yeah. It's that watch and that f- word, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, for, for me, it is an home run. Uh, it's also an exhibition case back, right? And, yeah, uh, and it's... Is it a, a lot of... Um, how many hours is the power reserve? That's the thing that I look at quite a bit because, you know, it's it, it's valuable to me, especially if you have a lot of watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's t- to be able to put away a watch when you and cycle not wear it for a couple yeah. of days and put it back on and it's still ticking, right? Yeah. To be fair, I don't really look at those things because when I wear my watches, it's like a week at a time. Right. So I've started doing that too and... Uh, one of the most recent things I've done is that I put my Speedmaster back in the bracelet. Okay. Because I, I started to miss it a lot. <laughs> and I put it back on and I didn't take it off for like two weeks since. This is the first time I'm wearing something else today. Yeah. I uh, I wore it like that every day. Yeah. For, for the last week and a half, it was my uh, Pelagos. Um, and like since, um, right now we're Sunday. So since Thursday, it's been the Ranger. And at some point next week, I'm going to change for something else. Does Ranger has, uh, does it have a water resistance? Like um, <clears throat> 200 meters? Is it a screw down crown? Screw down. Oh, I wow. don't know if it's 200. I mean, like 100 is still enough, right? The GMT yeah. Master is it's, 100. It, and it's, it's better than your Speedmaster for sure. Well, I mean, at water <laughs> resistance, yes. <laughs> at <laughs> returning Apollo 13 back to uh, to the Earth, no. <laughs> well, there's Boulevard, like, was there at some point, I guess, maybe. Did uh, did uh, Neil Armstrong wear a Ranger when he uh, stepped on the moon? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, <clears throat> so tangent over. Let's go back to the main tangent. <laughs> so uh, today we're talking about F1, and then uh, yep. Carl and I, and basically every single person on our on our team, uh, is a huge fan of F1. And then uh, we always, when we get together, we always try to talk about it. So we decided to use this Outlet. episode as a as a tangent to talk about the things that we love yep. apart from watches. Maybe this is also the way for you guys to get to know us better. Or don't. Oh yeah, don't do that. It's, it's a <laughs> we're, we're awful. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, F one, twenty twenty, yeah. interesting year, right? At first they've canceled yeah. the year, and then they were like, yeah, yeah, we still have to make money, right? Yeah, it's and a then big they, money machine. Yeah, and then they started to find. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it is. They um, and then they gradually started to adjust the rules, and the season was just started in mid June, right? And then yep. they just finished recently. Yeah, so they pretty much just canceled the American leg of F one and replaced it with double track and every city track. Right, they've no, they didn't go to yeah, the cities, and, and I was kind of disappointed home. because I, I'm honestly, I haven't been a, a big fan of a fun for too long, just maybe two years at this point. Yep. And I've so far, I have not 
watched the Monaco Grand Prix, and I, I, it's it's my dream. I need to watch yeah, it's so the Canadian Grand Prix and the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. So not uh, a lot of uh, uh, overtake por- uh, points in there. Eh? In Monaco, there's yeah. like two spaces: is the main straight and at the tunnel, mm. right? Um, it's a really difficult track. Other than that, you can't overtake at all. They, I'm not well, sure if it's fun. Do they crash a lot? Uh, well, there's no runoffs, so like if you're outside the limits, it's yeah. a wall, right? <laughs> and it's like city limits, and they go like 300 kilometers an hour. I, I have uh, I've attempted that. Ray. I I have the F1 video game, yeah. and that's the only track that I can't finish. Just for the like, it just there's no way. There's no place for mistakes at all. Because because uh, playing playing a video game at some point your tire, tires start to wear out, yeah. and your braking distance changes as yeah. you go along the track. So. If you think that your braking distance is enough, mm-hmm. five laps later, you need a bit more, but yeah. you don't adjust that, you will always run into walls. So I, I've never managed to finish this race. Yeah, no, it, it, it's nuts. Um, well, I'm going to talk about a bit about the track okay. design today. Okay, so let's uh, let's start. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking you questions because Carl is our resident uh, expert <laughs> on F1 and cars. That's it, nothing else. That's just those two things. Yes. So, you know, he's more equipped to answer those questions. Okay, let's start. Um what is, um, let's say, your most remarkable moment? And then I'll start with, let's say, race for 2020. Well, I, I put remarkable, uh, remarkable moment. Um, I just want, I have one event I'm going to talk about, and okay. I'm going to tangent into branch from that. Uh, it's going to be uh, the crash of Romain Grosjean at the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, when he went through the barrier, pretty much. So um, you, you, you skipped my question and you went to uh, your own question. What? You said remarkable 2020. Race. Oh. It's fine if you. I don't have any. It's fine if you notes. listen. If you if yeah. you're programmed yeah. to answer certain things, yes. then I guess it doesn't really matter what yeah. I ask. Sorry, I just yeah, I just I just just yeah, answer yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah. want. That'll be the same thing. I don't really have a race in mind. Okay. Um, what the the last race with Russell at Benz was kind of uh something. Well, if I if I, I if I talk about uh, particular races, I think I would go with the um, Monza race because that was the only race where you didn't have the the standard, let's say. Uh, Benz, uh, Benz, Red Bull. Benz in front, followed by Ferrari and the uh, Ferraris and uh, and the Red Bulls. You had uh, you had the three guys on the podium that never yeah. were in those positions, right? Yeah. Gasly won the race. Yeah. Then you had uh, Sainz finish in second, yeah. and you had uh, I think Stroll getting his first podium in his career. Also, he finished third. That was the race, and I, to me it was interesting because I can't remember what happened, but I think they messed up with um, the pitting time or something, yeah. and then basically everybody like the top Pace five or seven guys yeah. ended up being like. Eight, eight, eight and up yeah and uh, everybody who was behind them just kind of became first right and that was interesting to me because it was unusual there was another race I think uh, the one after where half the cars crashed like everybody who finished had points <laughs> 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 which is an interesting like, I've never yeah. seen this before anyhow so yeah that was a uh, just you know there's not much of a, not much to mention here other than that but it was a, a weird season overall I think it's the, uh, the season in the last like 50 years with the most different drivers uh, that uh, got a podium, like 17 different drivers out of like 20, <laughs> right? I've also looked up an interesting statistic and Hamilton won this year, right? Again, and this was the most dominant year for him. 637 uh, laps that he, he was in pole. He, because he, he didn't race in the, uh, two races ago because of he got coronavirus. Yep. Uh, so he only did 16 races out of 17. Yep. He finished first 11 times. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's only he's never he's never not finished the race yep. when he started, and his lowest finish was fifth, I think, because he was penalized. Yeah. So he's never really finished outside of the podium ever, and yeah. then he won eleven out of sixteen, and yeah. then finished second a bunch of times. 
getting boring at some point, like for him, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah no, I, it I, is. I was looking at the stats this morning and Hamilton uh, uh, um, was on pole for 637 laps this year. And the second position with the most leading lap was Bottas with 230. <laughs> there's also, yeah, there's also a huge discrepancy because then you have like, you have John Russell as four for something. But he's only raced one race in the Mercedes car, right? Yep. So that's just that race. Yeah, but it's nuts, right? Just proving out the bands are... And he's above, like, uh, Checo. Yep, he's right? above everybody else. He's fourth, the whole grid. He's like, there's uh, 16 uh, drivers behind him. And he just drove one race with that car. If, as, uh, as somebody I know, um, well, he's not part of this podcast, but it's somebody I know would say, it's not very balanced. Not like an IPA at all. That, oh, that guy always says that, so... Yeah, <laughs> The worst. Uh, the worst. <laughs> it literally is the worst. No, no, just you know, let it out. Let it out. Yeah. Tell, tell me how you feel, Carl. <laughs> I, I think he's the worst. Yeah. Um. So if we go back to rec- remarkable moments. So yes, uh, you want to. I, I want to talk about the crash of Grosjean, but not because of the crash itself. There's two things I want to talk out of that. First thing first is the safety is insane. Like I, everyone saw the videos when he went to the barrier. It was fast and it was like three planks. Right, and the car damaged the two lower planks, the metal section, and the owl move out the top one. If it wasn't for that, it was his helmet. So, are you referring to like the a simulation that they did to show what happened to the car? Yeah. Uh, so, for everybody who is listening, for the one person who is listening, sorry, I keep uh, correcting myself. Uh, <laughs> maybe two people who are listening. One of them is going to be you. Yes. <laughs> or, um, like, like in every, like on a mountain road, you have a you have a guardrail. Yep. And this guardrail is basically two metal planks. horizontal and there's a spot space between them right yeah so when the car lost control they went into the guardrail yeah it basically the nose of the car and it went right between the planks right yeah so it's the planks were forced to kind of go around the car Mm -hmm. and so the pretty much the top plank was aiming for his helmet but there's the halo that's moving right debris over the car right so they go hit the airbox right the intake for the engine so that halo Saved his life pretty much because he would have been like beheaded if, if pretty much. Uh, it was being ahead first as like 200 kilometers an hour on that thing, <laughs> right? Yes, and, and the reason the car split is the top plank when it hit the um, the air intake, right? The, the air box, yeah, it split the car in half, it and, ripped it open, right? And in F1, the fuel tank is uh between the driver and the engine, so it's literally when you're sitting in the car, you're sitting on the fuel tank. So he was basically catapulted out of the car yep. in the front. Well, yeah, the, the car is made to split there. Right to remove the heavy part, the engine from the driver, like where the driver is sitting, it's like a unibody, like a monocoque. Right. So it's made for if, if something's happening, that section of the car just fuck offs, <laughs> and everything else going on. The so other it's direction. a safety basically thing too, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So first thing first is a big, big moment because uh, it was show- It was the first real time that was showing that the halo was working. And how many years ago did they introduce the halo? Three, four years. So it's pretty... What did they have before? Nothing? Nothing. It was their helmet. <laughs> yeah. If you look at... Uh, a lot of different... Classic um, uh, F1. And by classic, I mean like 2016 and back. <laughs> but I'm still a, a little bit worried when I watch the replays, right? I, I get that the halo uh, saved his life in this case. But let's say they, they have nothing. They have no windshield, right? There's nothing yep. in front of them. Yep. So so if there's a car, there's debris on the road, and yep. then somebody misses them, and then the car drives in front and picks up with a tire... That thing can be shot in f- into your face, yep. right? Into your helmet. So that is not... 
it, it's good. You know, pebble, uh, rocks, uh, what if it's stuff. a piece of metal? That's like a, it's like a project. Well, not normally clean, uh, the tracks are really clean and that's what there's all the stewards on next to the track. Right. If there's debris. There's going to be a, a yellow flag or red flags. They're going to clean the track. Right. Normally you don't sit because it's when the car is at the opposite side of the track, they go clean it. Right. Right. Um, but I think his last race that, uh, it's ghastly. You got a rock on his finger. And his finger was yeah. like all blue. Like he was driving, his hand was like yeah. turning and it was outside of the cockpit and he got a rock on his hand, right? I, um, yeah. Was and it ghastly? Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I think I remember that event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the last thing, right? It was like right. in the uh, highlights of the race, right. uh, the, uh, the radio talk because it was like screaming in pain and he wasn't even from another car. It was his front wing who picked it up. Right. Right, so it wasn't even that bad. Um, so the other thing from that crash is that wasn't a crash that was supposed to happen there, right? Um, and what I'm saying that is the bar was kind of close to the track. When you look at all the racetrack right now in F1, all the, let's say the Grand Prix track, the GP, the variant of tracks, there's a lot of runoffs, right? There's a turn and there's like five times the width of the track, like the runoffs, gravel, yeah. sand, and right. there's a tire barrier and everything. Um, the reason all the tracks kind of look the same is when Bernie Ecclestone was... Uh, managing the F1, all the new tracks and all the renovation was given to one designer. Uh, is a German guy named Ermin Tilke. Okay. Um, so that's why all the racetrack kind of look at the same, kind of. Even the newer track, they the same big sweeping curve. They have like different variants of the tracks. Okay. But the, the runoff, the designs, the pit area, what they all kind of look the same is because they're literally out of all the racetrack, I think like 80% of from that one dude. Mm -hmm. And that's why Monaco is so different. Well, The other city tracks are similar too, right? Like the yeah, Singapore Baku. and the Baku are also, yeah. there's not a lot of runoffs. Well, Baku a little bit in some section, like the, some. the straights and right. stuff like that. Like that's But some Monaco sections are ridiculously have. narrow also. Yeah. Yes, Baku is easier, let's say. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, Singapore is that way too, right? They have a, lot, a few places with runoffs, but you also have a bunch of yeah. places where there's just no roof uh, runoffs. But yeah, Urban Tilk, <clears throat> just to give you an idea, um, some of the racetrack you design, uh, Sepang Circuit in Malaysia, the Okenheim Ring in Germany, uh, Baron Circuit, Istanbul Park, Yes Marina Circuit, Circuit of Americas in Texas, the Sochi Autodrome in Russia, Uh, Did you say sushi? sushi? I feel I feel offended. So, 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 It's sochi. Sochi, sochi, <laughs> potato, potato. Soki, right? so, soki. Ketchup, ketchup. <laughs> so Baku City and, and like a bunch of them. If you go on his uh, Wikipedia, is like he has like 50 track that he designed, right? Okay. And a lot of people are saying that um, because of that, it's less. It's more predictable. It's right? less exciting, right? And I think that was There's a, a less risk of a of a murder. Not, not that someone's dying, but it's more predictable, you know, where a car is going to get off and stuff right. like that. And I think that showed that F1 is still unpredictable, right? No one was expecting to have a crash there at all. Like this, the track safety right. way it was designed and even the cameras, right? right? I'm sure they run simulations and that just didn't yep. make sense that, uh, that the crash would be happening there. But, but yeah. if you watch the replay, right? It was, they were coming from behind a corner and he yeah. didn't go into the outside. He went the opposite yeah. direction, right? Mm. So realistically there is no situation Driver's where side. yeah there's no situation where if you were driving by yourself there's no way you can go in that corner right or if anything you'll be yeah. you'll be um uh under uh, oversteering into the different corner right yeah whereas this one is because was it a tire puncture or something that he kind of he swove around and went into he, the opposite he, side he went in right so okay. his his backside cut in another car I okay don't really know okay. why but i just know that it was a like driver error not necessarily home angle shine error directly but like okay uh but yeah so i think that's a big moment for me at least in uh 2020 definitely um so what about let's say do you have any favorite 
perhaps uh, announcements or maybe a specific uh, track that uh, stood out to you this year? Um, well, for the announcement, there's um, if I think we're going to talk a bit about that later. But all the stuff with bands right. and uh, the sitting position and right. their um, team principle, right? Okay. Uh, do you want to cover that right now? Uh, sure. I mean, look, uh, if you want to go into uh, maybe the teams of 2020, like best team. Let's talk about best teams. I, okay. I, and there are different categories. Um, well, for me, best team, I'll uh, I just choose one, and it's for like being underdog and like consistently going up, right? So McLaren. I, I thought you were going to say Pepto Bismol. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so McLaren, if you go back in 2014, there is still McLaren Mercedes, right? Um, Mercedes-Benz, the team was... They ditched them in 2014, right? To go to... Well, Mer the Mercedes-Benz uh, Mercedes um, team already existed in 2013, if I think. But la the last year that McLaren had Mercedes-Benz tech was 2014. So for best team of 2020, I choose McLaren. And the reason I'm doing that is if you go back all the way to 2014, they were called McLaren Mercedes, right? So they were half-half. And they were really doing good back then. Uh, but in 2015, they uh, they were the, the first year, quote unquote, alone as just McLaren as an entity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so they took Honda as an engine supplier, and 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 you look, and in 2015 they came out nine out of ten. So they were the before last team with only 27 points, right? So 2016 they went up with six out of eleven with 70, uh, 76 points. 2017, new regulation, they went back down 9 out of 10, 30 points, right? So 2018, 6 out of 10 with 62 points. 2019, 4 out of 10 with 145 points. And this year, 2020, they're third out of 10 teams with 202 points. And they switched to Renault engines, right, uh, a few years ago? Uh, yep, in 2018, they switched to Renault, right? So if they follow that trend that every year they just incredibly get better, mm -hmm. They like this year, the third out of 10, like McLaren in my head, they're not third team at all. They're like midfield for me, like fifth and down. Right. Right. And they came out like podium of uh, the Constructor Championship. For, for me, like underdog, best team of the year for that. Okay. Right. And I, next year, I want to see what they do. It's going to be the last year with the, what they are doing right, right. now. And you're right. Yeah. They, they, they did extremely well this year. So, like, if they're following the same trend, next year they should be second. Right. Uh, and next year they have Ricardo and stuff like that, but that's that's a, it's a well that's part of the announcements, right? That we'll touch yeah. at some point there. Uh, so you best team of twenty twenty? Well, I uh, I mean your answer your answer has a lot of makes a lot of sense, uh, but I would say considering considering the big jump that this team made, I think Racing Point would be the team for me. Not necessarily the best team. The best team is Mercedes. It's hands down, right? Yeah, but because they won. But like the 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 biggest, let's say, uh, underdog, right? That nobody really expected to do well until. Yeah, they've figured out that uh, you know Racing Point just went yeah, and copied yeah. the well, last year's Mercedes team. Yeah, the pink Mercedes they call them. They went. I th I always call call them Pepto Bismol. That's what I refer to when I say Pepto Bismol because it's it's the same exact color. The it's color scheme. Yeah. The um, what's impressive to me is that last year they were in like nothing. They were one of the yeah. like the lower teams, right? That nobody really cared about. Like those teams are. You know, you have the top, let's well, say, three, four teams that are fighting for podium places, and then you have a few teams that are in the middle a little bit that are like finishing in the tenth positions and below uh, or above, depending on how you see. 
Yeah. From where you look, right? <laughs> also consider the time zones. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have a GMT? Do you don't? Yeah, yeah, if you don't have a GMT, it's hard to know uh, <laughs> what is number one in relation to number nine. Um, so, and then you have a bunch of teams, unfortunately, that have the lowest amount of budget. Right? They uh, they always just struggle to finish, not the last. So you have like the Haas, the Williams, unfortunately, the uh, yeah. the uh, uh, the Alfa Romeo team. Um, they are, you know, barely ever getting points. And Racing Point was just Asa a little bit has no of a point this year, I think. No, I don't think or so. Or two points? No, Williams has no point. As has two points. <laughs> Williams, Williams, I think. Um, I think Russell only got points bec- uh, for Mercedes, eh? not for Williams. Uh, I'm actually, gonna, I'm actually, uh, yeah. Williams has no points. Haas has three points, and Alfa Romeo has eight. Right. And that's because and of then marketing. and then there's a bit of a jump to the next team because it's Alfa Tauri and they have 107. <laughs> So there's a, you know, yeah, like, a gap, yeah. again, uh, uh, not putting words in his mouth there, but our friend would say, this is not balanced at all. <laughs> Nothing like an IPA. And I got to say that it, it was a big jump for Racing Point because they, they went out of the last, let's say, like the lowest teams into the team yeah. that finished fourth this season with, 100, uh, yeah. with 195 points. And also, there were a few races... There was a uh, sorry. There's one. There was at least one race where the driver won the the race, right? And they finished on the podium quite often. And you know, their 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 first driver, uh, Sergio Perez, he he finished with 125 points, above above everybody from McLaren, above everybody from yep. Renault, right? Individually as a team, McLaren did better, but as a driver, yeah, Perez uh, Perez did pretty well too. Renault, I think, was also quite good. They started off a bit slow, but then they started to really pick up towards the yeah. towards the middle of the season. And you can see how you know Ricciardo managed to 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 take advantage of the, the better car this year, right? Yeah, uh, I can't wait next year for see uh, Ricciardo and uh, uh, Norris, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be funny. It'll be funny, and I'm pretty sure it'll be a good team too. I, uh, I, yeah. Um, so, do you want to maybe jump into the uh, let's say announcements for next year, or maybe driver changes for next year? Um, well, here I have end of the year announcement, like Toto and stuff like that, right? Um, so at the time of this recording, the news that Toto um, just signed for another three years with the um, AMG Petronas F1 team, it was like this week, right? Like Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Um, I would like it surprised me. Like I, I wouldn't think it was going to be that way. I'm pretty sure it was going to switch to Aston Martin next year um, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, first thing first, like all the contract with bands were pretty much like finishing right now. Hamilton, uh, him, uh, Bottas too. Uh, it was like everything was finishing this year, like like for 2020. Right? So all the seats are taken except one, eh? Yep. The, the whole grid is full beside Hamilton's seat. And I'm very, very curious to hear what you think as to why this is like this at this point. Um, do you want me to go right now into this? Uh me, I think it's uh, a money reason. I think it's salary discussion, and I'll I'll say why. Okay. Right. Um, not for twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty two. The new regulation bring um, salary cap for the team, not the drivers. Right. But that changed a lot of things, and that changed all the way that they're gonna spend their money. Right. Because they'll have only a hundred and seventy five billion dollars USD for the R&D, everything that's considered performance. So that's development of new parts, engineer salaries, mechanic salaries, everyone that's in the team beside the drivers and the top three members. Mm. 
uh that's for some team that's like 25% of their budget that they're doing right now right it's insanely little for mm -hmm. some team mm -hmm. like ferrari and benz um do you know what's the salary of hamilton uh 2020 no like 50 million okay so quick uh quick uh trivia game for you who's the uh lowest salary in the whole grid maybe latifi uh Giovinazzi? Giovinazzi? Yeah, uh, 800k in USA. Okay. okay. Right? Um, I thought La I thought Latifi because he was a newcomer was a 1.2. Okay. Uh Russell 1.2. So those okay. are the lowest three, right? Oh, if you go midfield, they're poor. Yeah, Carlos Sainz with McLaren 7 million. Right. Kimi Raikkonen 10 million. Right? Charles Leclerc with Ferrari 15. Okay. Right? And after that you jump to Ricardo with Renault 32. Right. Right? Vettel with Ferrari 57. Okay. Hamilton with Benz, 76 million for one season. I mean... <laughs> 76 million dollars. That's now, that's like... That's a lot. That's like half of their budget for the whole team now, right? It's not part of but the budget. But they're not included part of the, as part I, of the budget, I, I right? I know, I know, but they still have to figure things out. Is it is it worth... Like, now he's going to ask, what, 80, 85? Because every year it was more and more. But I'm right? a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised because... Um, Hamilton just tied the all-time record with uh, Schumacher yep. for seven uh, drivers' championships, yep. right? Next year, he has last a, because of, of coronavirus, yeah. it literally gives him an opportunity to easily get another one, yep. right? To eight and become the greatest all-time driver yep. ever. Yep. And because of the changing regulations for 2022, it will be very difficult to repeat this yep. because the competition will be a lot stronger. Yep. It will be more reliant on the driver's skill rather than the car is also, right? Yep. So if I was Hamilton and I wanted to set history forever, mm -hmm. jump on this opportunity as fast as you can. Yeah. Right. So I'm, well, I'm very... Yeah, but there's I, ego over there and it's not, it wouldn't be the first time that driver's leaving team because of salary negotiation. I get it. I get it. Right? It's just, for me, it's kind of like... Is the money really that much more important to you than like history, right? I feel like this is an opportunity. If he joins again with Mercedes, I I have no doubt he's gonna win again, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So he's a good driver. Like overall, he's a really good driver and has the best. I think car. good <laughs> is an understatement. Yeah, the best. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best driver okay. and and a good car. So for me, I think that um, yeah, I think it's salary negotiation. That, okay, that's why it's staying there. And same thing that we had to wait so long for Toto too. Maybe it was waiting to see where Toto was going, right? And I was sure Toto was going with Aston Martin because Aston Martin is a new guy in town with Lowen Stroll and all his billion of dollars. And he's also a, a part owner, right? Right. Uh, so early 2020, he bought um, like 1% of Aston Martin that was uh, worth uh, like uh, 40 million pounds. <laughs> and okay. during the year, he brought that part to 4.5% of the company. Right. But he still owned 33% of the F1 team. And Toto also own a sport management company with Mika Akinen that manage Bottas, um, uh, Russell, Ocon. <laughs> uh, so he's making money out of those guys too and their contract, right? <laughs> They're all Ben's drivers technically. They're just he's renting them. Type of, type of deal. Uh, Bruno Sprangler in DTM. Okay. Uh, so he, he literally has ends everywhere, right? He, he's like really the big businessman in the sport right now. Right. Um, and his salary with uh, the team, beside that he owned 32%, is $8 million a year. Right, but he's uh, he's uh, significantly, let's say, richer than any driver. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, okay, so my next question would be, what other, uh, let's say, uh, drivers are you excited to watch for next year? Um, 
I'll have to go with uh, Ricardo and McLaren, like the team and the driver. The, that combo is going to be really interesting. Um, the team is showing great progress over the last years. They should be able to have a really competitive car next year. If they follow the same trend next year, they'll be second position constructor championship, right? Ricardo is proven to have a constant when he's not going crazy doing the honey badger and ramming into his own teammates. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, beside that, he's a really, really, really good driver. He's really aggressive uh, on all his parts. He's good at overtaking. Yes, that's yeah, that's exactly right. His aggressive overtakes are so uh, late breaking. I'm assuming is his uh, forte. Exactly, and late breaking will be another ball game in 2022. I'll talk about that later. Okay, um, but yeah, so I think that'll be the most interesting. I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm not saying they're gonna win, but interesting that'll be Ricardo and McLaren. I think. I um I I can't disagree, but I I'll also mention a few other drivers that I'm really excited to watch. Right, those are a super recent signing, like two days ago. Uh, and and it was kind of, um, it's almost like it made almost no sense to me because basically Sergio Perez, he because Pepto Bismol is becoming uh, Aston Martin, yeah, right? he lost his seat because, to Vettel, Vettel. yeah, because and, money. <laughs> and this guy, this guy is a great driver, very consistent, and he's doing very well. And this year he finished uh, fourth in the standings. And he was out of his seat at the end of the season, right? Yep. And then two days ago, announcement came in that Red Bull. Is uh, dropping Albon and uh, giving the seat to uh, to uh, to Checo. Uh, Checo yeah. is his nickname, and I'm very excited to watch him because I I feel like, and you know nothing, not really gonna say anything much against the the, the other Red Bull drivers. But to be honest, nobody compares to Verstappen. He's just so much ahead of everybody yeah. else, right? Uh, Gasly tried to do that for half a season. Albon did it for a season and a half. They they can't. Yeah. They just cannot do it. So the the, the formula with um, Red Bull, they literally copy paste the formula with Benz for their drivers. They have their own school. Right, so it's the Red Bull Ute driver program, and out of that program, there's Verstappen and Vettel. Right, right. Okay. So it's you're, you're gambling. So it's pretty much you approach young drivers when they're like twelve to fifteen, and you're sponsoring them from there. Right, right. In go kart, in small Formula team and stuff like that, and you teach them, and you bring them to your factory, and you train them for like five years prior to their F1 debut. And um, Albon was part of that program. And other drivers too, right? So it's a gamble. That's the thing, and right. they don't they don't have time to lose if they're not showing progress. Well, I rapidly agree. It's very, team. it's very expensive. It is. It's uh, million of dollars, <laughs> and uh, you can't also feel bad for those guys because I saw uh, Albon uh, gave an interview recently how he's you know he's a bit broken right now because he 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 went from driving for Red Bull to pretty much not having a seat next year, yep. right? Uh, yeah, but. He'll be okay. They're making millions of dollars. He'll be fine. Well, this year he made three point two. So it's okay. Yeah. Like he's not in the street, right? Yeah, he's a, he'll he'll he's go. He's okay. just not in the top not, twenty drivers in the world. He's gonna <laughs> go to another uh, type of uh, uh, motorsport. Motorsport, right? Um, another, uh, just a few more honorable mentions uh, that I think will be very interesting, especially for me. I would love to watch Alonso drive. I mean, I don't expect him to win. Renault? Uh, but I would love to watch the thing, him. The thing with older drivers, it's the same gimbal with youth. Uh, it's either they they still have it and they're really good, right. or they lose some. Right, right. And, and similarly, I'm very, I'm quite excited to watch Vettel uh, drive for Aston Martin. Yeah. Maybe he'll g- get back his motivation to drive and actually try to win this time. Right. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. a part, as, as opposed to there this was year. A disgrace this year. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Stroll 
Stroll is showing that uh, he doesn't need to be shadowed like uh, he was before, right? He's not a he's a lot of progress. Driver. The, the and first, he can he yeah. can handle a better car, right? Yeah. The the first year, first two season, it was the worst, doing stupid mistakes. Right. But that's the a thing. That's a thing. That's it was really a young wrong, head as right? a, and like maybe he jumped the gun because his dad was bringing him in the sport, right? Maybe he needed a year or two more in lower tier motorsport to get to that level easier right now. So we just, we saw the learning curve. That's right. that's what I think, right? right? Um, but, you know, they're really good mentions. And um, and one last mention, I'm very excited that uh, Mick Schumacher is in the, um, got a seat yep. this year. Uh, and I'm really hoping he's that he Haas, continues. Right? Yeah, he signed with Haas. I'm really hoping that he continues, uh, continues the... Um, Uh, the legacy that his father started, yeah. and hopefully he does as good. He's so, just one of two, right? Yeah, but he's going into F1 with the worst team that's the R&D department, right? That's what I was going to mention, is that as much as I'm really excited to watch him, I know that he's probably not going to show anything because he's not, not driving not for the team. because of his talent, because of no. the car he's driving. Well, it, it's a similar thing, I think, with Russell. Yeah. Uh, I would love for him to jump to Mercedes because it would yeah, be very exciting to watch. But he's not going to accomplish anything if he's on Williams, right? No, I don't think so. But Russell is part of the Benz uh, youth program, right? And uh, we saw he got best time in practice with Benz. Also during the race. Uh, also during the race. He led like 80... Uh, like, And he finished with the fastest lap. Yeah. So he's, I, he's there, right? I, I think that's one of the reasons maybe that Hamilton has a hard time negotiating his, uh, his salary right now. Because it went like... That that young dude is like, your car is doing really well. Like, do and we I, really need you at I was, 80, $80 million? If I, was, if I was Toro, I would be like, well, why would we not save $60 million and give a seat to a guy who's also going to win? Yeah, exactly, us. right? So I think Plus, if not, Bo Bottas is going to win anyways, right? Yeah, if, if not, so like... Exactly. So that, I, I, think, I think, for me, I think that's what's going on. I think that the Hamilton managing team having that's a hard a time getting into negotiation with Benz, saying, because... He's at $76 million for one season, right? It's a really good point you bring up because I just remembered that Hamilton also was one of the drivers that didn't congratulate Russell on a great uh, race. Yeah. Because so, he's like, God damn it, this guy is going to ruin my the salary negotiation. negotiation. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that's what's holding up. I'm sure that they're just not able to find uh, a deal. That's, that's it. Because he's for sure asking more. And if he goes like over 80, I'm sure he's going to be the most paid athlete <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you probably are million dollars a year. Sal Salary-wise, yes. A year. Right. I, I, the only thing I can compare to are the two soccer players, right? The Ronaldo and the Messi, right? And I think, I can't remember. It's hard. I, I'm going to have to double check. Maybe uh, I'll check a little bit later in this uh, episode. I think they're close to a hundred million like a dollars in salaries. I'll double check. I think they're paid in like Maybe. Uh, euros. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, euros, it was like yeah. in the well, 50s. Well, the salaries I'm saying, they are in USD, but to, so for everyone knows, F1 is technically managed from the UK, so those are um, uh, conversion from sterling pounds, right? Um, and I, that list was from November, so maybe there's a bit of... Um, no, I, I, I am wrong. So they make about 50, 50 million, 55 million yeah. Uh, dollars. Yeah, a right? season. Yeah, a season. Yeah, that's so, so that's... Um, so Hamilton is almost double. <laughs> Almost yeah, double crazy. that, right? Also endorsements. I, I, just, I just can't imagine how much money they make. So you, 
yes, but uh, all the uh, sponsors that part of the team, so Benz has IWC in the watches, right? Right. All the ads that you see are part of the contract with the team, so they don't make money out of that. Right, right. Right? No, but so, I meant endorsements as in like that they do outside of Yeah, yeah, F1, but like... Right? Uh, for, Sporting brands paying them, like Nike paying like Messi like $30 million a year just to like show his face in, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, in events in and posters ads right? and stuff like that. No, for sure, but like for Hamilton, if you see a bunch of ads like Puma... Um, and IWC are their two big sponsors for like what they're wearing. Uh, they're not paid for that. All it's German, part. the German, the most German Swiss brand, and the <laughs> German shoe brand. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, um, they're not paid for that. That's part of the salary, technically, right? right? Uh, but anything outside of that, it's extra money. Yes. By the way, a, a fun tangent. Did you know that Adidas and Puma were started by two brothers? Yeah. Yeah. Adolf uh, Dassler and Rudolf Dassler. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're arguing, and uh, one of oh. them left, and uh, started the other one, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, Adi Dassler, that started Adidas, was yeah. the 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 more successful one that started earlier. He had a huge argument with his brother, and his brother, I think they they basically like they they they, split. they broke broke the the family into two, right? Yeah. So some parents were on the side with Adi, some parents on yeah. the uh, side with Rudy, and then they were almost suing each other. It was messy. Yeah. Uh, uh, not the player. Know. <laughs> uh, okay uh so we we've touched the, the we've touched the let's say the exciting drivers that you want to watch for next year yeah um w- maybe let's just start switching to next uh year in general and uh see what's um who do you think will be let's say the team to watch for next year the pink mercedes but they're gonna be green next year so you want you think you think Aston Martin will be yeah. the team to watch? Do you think yeah. that they have a chance so, competing for the, the the win? So maybe. Um, and the only thing is, uh, um, do you think that they have the drivers to bring they have, that? They have Vettel, right? But so, Vettel seems to me like if the last he, two years he sucked. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, like right? I but, feel like he could be on par with Leclerc, and but he didn't have the same desire this year. Right? No, at all, at all. But the thing with Vettel is Vettel is a really, really good. He's um, one of the drivers that's almost an engineer. He's gonna sit down through the engineer meetings, give his feedback. Out. There's a lot of drivers that when they leave the car, they fuck off and they they don't want to talk technical, right? Who are those drivers? Um, there's Coulthard that I rem- remember. They was really David good. Coulthard, yeah, yeah. I was really good with uh, like all the aerodynamics. Okay, but I was outside of the Grand Prix stuff. So during weekends, he wasn't able... And a lot of drivers just don't want to have all that information because it's going to fuck up with their mind, right? They're going to talk about the pressure on some stuff and everything, right. and, and they don't want to know that. But they still need to give some feedback to be they're sure gonna to, give, to, to they're tweak gonna the give car, fe- right? feedback, but there's a big difference between giving the feedback of how the car behave and sitting in a technical meeting. Right. They're going to talk about numbers, okay. what's going on, Fair. the the pressures, the pressure point, what they do with the suspension and all those things. Some drivers are like, the car is under under steering there and this, I need more downforce in the rear. I would like this and that right and they go cool and after that all the engineers sit aside and they talk numbers okay. Vettel is going to sit with those guys okay right? interesting and he's going to be involved in all the, all the development of the cars like that and that's what helped Red Bull win four consecutive years with him because he helped them develop one of the best chassis ever in F1 and Ferrari doesn't listen to him Ferrari are the uh, the, uh, the idea is we're Ferrari we're building the best thing in the world don't talk to us Right, that's a that's a winning attitude. And, yeah, and, and that's from all the way back from Nicky Loda. If you see the movie Rush, there's even a scene they laugh at that. He drives the car testing day, and he comes like that car is shit. And the sh- chief engineers goes, "What are you saying? That's a Ferrari. It's not shit. It's a Ferrari. It's the best car in the world." He's like, "No, that's the worst thing I've ever drove." Right. That's funny. So, and Ferrari has always been like that. Okay. So, and I'm I'm figuring out that maybe Vettel 
can talk with those engineers as much as other teams because they go like, you're a driver. What are you talking? Why are you talking to us? That's what I think. Yeah. Because maybe that's not the case, but they have like an history of like the last 50 years of doing stuff like that. Right. Anyway. Um, so the only thing I, 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 I don't know for next year is, are they going to keep the, so right now, recent point, I have the 2019 Benz chassis, mm-hmm. right? They have the last year tech. And if they want the 2020 chassis, they can't because of all the arguing that had at the start of the season when Racing Point was winning everything. If I change some regulation because of that. And when they change regulation, that's um, not for safety. So if it's a safety component, it's mid-year, team has to apply that like right now, right? But if it's not safety, it's only going to apply for next year. Okay. want to take a... No. So that wasn't for safety that they pretty much copy paste the chassis of Benz, right? Um, so for 2021, now like uh, copy paste is not uh, a thing, not a thing not anymore. And the way they're going to do that is if um, there, there's a team is going to say, hey, you have the same part as me, the FIA can now ask the team, let's say in that case, Austin Martin, to give them the whole development so the, all the uh, schematics, all the time they put in wind tunnels and all those things, so they can see if they did develop their part themselves or they just copy-paste because there's a huge difference between developing right. your own part and copy-pasting. Okay. So I don't know if they're going to keep the 2019 chassis and try to be competitive in 2021 or they're going to do a whole new chassis for Aston Martin. Okay. Right? So that would be the big, big thing for me to see. But beside that, they have a really good driver to develop a car. Vettel mm-hmm. is known for that. Interesting. So I, I don't know. It, it's, are they going to tweak the 2019 uh, formula, or are they going to go all out for a new thing? And going all out, rolling dice. It's either you're the best or the worst. There's no in middle in those right. things. Um. Okay. Uh, that's actually interesting. I, I didn't think of it this way, but I, I didn't know that little fact about uh, Vettel. Um. Do you have, let's say, any drivers that you're not super excited are there for next year? Same team. Stroll. You okay? I don't Who think do you think would have should have been there instead? His teammate right now. <laughs> um. So Checo. Yeah. I but think do you, don't you think that Checo kind of won the lottery by going to Red Bull instead? Like, would you yes, not think? No, that? for sure, it was better for Checo to do that. But I think as a team management, you're able to sign Vettel. Good, you're signing a champion. Multiple champion is known to be a good driver to development and all those right. things. So I understand that the owner of that team is the father of Stroll. Yeah. And that's why. And also, But I just feel it's bias. It's 100%. I agree with you. It's for sure bias. But I gotta, like, I've changed my opinion a little bit about Stroll because Stroll is capable of driving. He's I, getting better. I, I'm not saying otherwise, but this year, Stroll or Checo? Just, yes. Exactly. If you right? look at that purely, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, by the way, does Checo have any relationship with Red Bull at all? prior to this so this is a brand new snipe I let's think, say I, I think so interesting uh, I, I don't think they, they, it's part of their uh, youth program I wouldn't because if it was the case it would have been driving with uh, Toro Rosso uh, or Alpha Tree sorry <laughs> and I gotta say the one driver that I'm not super excited about not that I'm not excited about that I, I just know that this was purely a, a cash grab it's the Nikita Marzipin that they grabbed from F2 yeah, right the guy finished fifth in, their, in F2 and the reason they got him is because his father is a billionaire right yeah. o- oil magnate in Russia, yeah, which is pretty much just same, the money inflow. Yeah, yeah, it's That's the same it backstory as uh, Stroll and his dad with Williams and um, all there, those things prior. Right? There was another Russian kid that finished above him, but they ignored him, right? Yep. And there was another guy that finished, uh, I think, uh, yeah. third. Yeah, they're not going. Um, 
for quality going for money there yeah yeah it's unfortunate for those uh, drivers that are aspiring to get into a yeah. fund because they're forced to go into another car uh, yep. um, into a different motorsport yeah like it, it, nick devries right from uh, uh yeah. he was winning one like a year before and then nobody picked him up so he's like in the formula e right now or something yeah it's it's a big money game formula one it's a rich man sport right it always has been always right. will be right <laughs> right <laughs> okay Next, so do we uh, s- start going forward into the future and uh, let's discuss about 2022. Very exciting year, right? I kind of wanted, you know, you being the the more yeah knowledgeable on the, in the motorsports. I, I kind of wanted to ask you a few questions and uh, cool. Um, I wanted for you to tell me, let's say, quickly summarize what are the main reasons why 2020 will, 2020 would be a very very interesting year to watch. 2022. So the new regulation that was supposed to came in in 2021, but got delayed because of the pandemic, global pandemic. And those are car regulations, salary, or everything? Everything. It's the biggest change in a sport in its history. So 76 years now, we have the F1 regulated by the FIA. And right. there have been big regulation changes in, in engines, in design, um, you know, when they... Um, at some point, everyone will remember like the fan car. The car was like suctioned to the ground, so you don't need wings. There's like techs that were crazy back in the 80s. Is there 70s. regulation change to not let Ferrari veto? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, so Ferrari is out of the, <laughs> their game now. Uh, so people who don't know that um, when it was Bernie Enkelstone running the F1, he had uh, insider deals with Ferrari. Ferrari, they're um, saying that they're the sport. If there's no Ferrari, there's no F1. That's their minding, right? They're the, f- the only team that's there since day one. They never left. They won so many championships. They had the best driver and the best car. They're all history. So what happened with Bernie Stone, so he pretty much was giving them royalties on the whole F1 stuff. So every year, they're getting anywhere between 50 million to 300 million over any winning they were doing, even mm. if they're last <laughs> a year for their team, right? And on top of that, for all new regulation, Ferry had a veto. So anything that was going on, Ferry could say no or yes. And it was the only thing doing that. I thought you said veto. No. I was like, how do you add veto to the regulation? <laughs> yeah, veto. <laughs> uh, so that was for a long time. It was like um, everybody knew about, but no one really had the proof. Right. And when Bernie Nicholson sold the F1 to the American managing company, I forgot the name, that contract popped out and everyone everyone saw it. But since then, it's uh, it's not the case anymore. And a good uh, way of seeing it is Ferrari's sucking balls. <laughs> They're not as good anymore. They... Uh, so if you go back, every time there's a huge uh, leap forward in technology and Ferrari wasn't able to follow up because they probably don't have the best engineers. Right. That next year, that technology was... No, FY is like, oh no, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was because of Ferrari, it's, right? It's pretty shitty. It's really shitty. And, and changed s- my opinion about Ferrari quite a bit over yeah, the last and, year. And, uh, you know, they're really, really having a hard time since last year. And funny enough, it's day for day, the same time that FI put the new fuel management regulation. So a big thing in F1 in most motorsport is the quantity of fuel that you can burn per minute, like the fuel flow. Is there an upper and lower bound? Uh, maximum overcook so undercook strategy <laughs> so you cannot go over a certain amount of fuel per uh, minute right but you can also control the mixture right how much octane uh, a... so they all have the same fuel uh, the only thing that they can control and is still regulation around that is the quantity of oil they're burning in their fuel that's okay. the quantity of like uh, uh, friction in the engine it's like nuts that's, even that, for me it's but the energy, energy content of oil is probably lower than the fuel right 
I, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing. So, the, the, the so reason if they're they bringing oil put less oil, put more of actual fuel, then you increase your yeah, output, you, right? So like the, the fuel pump and everything in the system is pushing fuel to the engine as a maximum capacity by the FIA. And uh, when they put the last regulation for that, Ferrari's uh, engine management dropped, and that's why they're losing. Because they're, with the new regulation, they're not able to work around it, as other teams are. And it's literally like day for day when that new fuel management came in, in, in place, Ferrari dropped in the standing. Right. And it was the same thing that the year prior, everyone was saying that Ferrari was cheating with their engine. They were doing something shady. Right. Right? And FI was like, mm, we'll change the fuel management ruling. And oh, Ferrari lost all of his power. So That's, there was uh, something shady there, right? Okay. And back in the day, Ferrari could have vetoed that decision for the FI and said, like, we don't want to see that. And they still oh. be able to do that, what they were doing. I see. Right? Anyway. I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah, no, uh, going too. back to the, the 2022. Yes. What so, do you think would be the, the, the reasons why one should get into F1 right now? Because this is so I'll, exciting. So I'll, I'll explain what the new regulation are. Uh, I have like, it's, it's eight points, eight big things. Okay, as long as it's not more than eight. <laughs> if it was nine, no. No. Uh, seven, no. Nine, no. Straight eight to is, jail. Is straight to jail. Straight to gulag. Gulag. <laughs> uh, so the first, first thing is a new wheel setup. So right now they're running 13-inch uh, wheels with huge uh, sidewalls, right? Also a major redesign of the car itself, right? I've, Every, I've looked, up, I've looked yeah. at pictures recently yeah, and uh, we will put in our Instagram. Yeah. They look... F- Awesome. Yeah. They like do. they look so cool. They so much futuristic. So much better. Yeah. That it's a fun. I hope that that design makes it to production. Like, oh, they, they, they are. Oh, they are. Because I've never seen an actual car. I've only seen like the, the 3D yeah. generated models, so, right? Uh, so, yeah. And there's like the 1 8 scales that they use for wind tunnels. Oh, that's a beautiful car. Okay. Yes. Uh, please. I, no I, problem. Allow me not to interrupt you anymore. So, first thing you can see on that model is, and now there's like they, they have huge rims, right? It's 18 wind chills, it's low profile tires. They also don't do the crazy aerodynamic things, right? No, it's just uh, the wing yeah, in front that's yeah, flat, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll come to that too. So they do that. So new tire regulation. Uh, lower profile tire, it's easier for the drivers to manage the tire eat, so the grip, right? Okay. And while doing that too, they know they won't have any more tire blanket. Is the sim- is this the same tire sponsor, Pirelli? Yeah. Okay. And Pirelli has been doing really good tires the last year, so no, right. no problem there. Uh, so yeah, no more tire blankets. So the tire won't be able to be preheated before the race. They'll start on cold tires. So no grip at first. That's fun. So you'll have to build your own grip during the, the track. So, so the, the formation lap is just going to be zigzagging like crazy, eh? It's going to be way more like icy, right? That's interesting. It's going to be crazy for that. And the, all the regulations are there to have a sport that's more competitive and more, uh, more uh, overtaking. That's the only reason that the new regulation Isn't is there. going to also introduce a lot more collisions? And crashes and, and expensive, guess. right? To, to be rebuilding cars so much. I guess. I'm sure that's kind of played into the yeah, calculation. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the replacement part too. Um, so, beside the wheels, like you were seeing, new wing, new bodywork, new rear wing. So, pretty much, new car. Uh, they're keeping the same power unit. So the engine is the same. Same and, power uh, unit. What's the engine today? Remind me. It's a 1.6 liter V6, single turbo. It's not a V8? No, it's V6. Uh, it's a single turbo and there's a two electric uh, system. One is an hybrid system that's spinning the motor and one is a uh, re- um, recuperation of power when they're braking. So there's engine brake with an electric motor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they can use the electricity to spin the turbo, so remove the lag and uh, as a starter to start the car. But yeah, so same power unit. Uh, it's been like four years now they use that. They're 
for now, the new regulation, they're keeping the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're doing that is because they're a real world application for that engine. Okay. So teams can justify the development. Right. Uh, Ben's all their EQ stuff from the car is now on their road car too. Right. Uh, so yeah, so the front front wing, rear wing, and new bodywork, the reason they're doing that is to remove the uh, dirty hair. So right. dirty air is uh, behind the car, after all the aerodynamics, all those wings, all those winglets, those fins, everything, it's a mess. I'm assuming it's the same thing as as happens at the airports after the planes take off, right? Yes. You get you get a whirlpool of different, let's say, yeah. density air yeah. that creates it hard to maintain a constant, let's say, uh, lift. Uh, lift, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, downforce for a race car is right. an airplane wing upside down. It's almost like turbulence, which is it, exactly what it is. It right? is. So turbulence, dirty air, created the car behind doesn't have as much downforce. Right now, the dirty air, so if you're following another car, you're losing 40% of your downforce. It's almost half, right? And it's nuts. And that's why the DRS is there. So they can have overtaking. Because without that, overtaking wasn't possible at all. The front car right. had so much grip and you had none, right? So with the new front wings, the rear wing, the bodywork, what they're doing right now, it's they're bringing that lose of downforce to less than 10%. Are they keeping DRS? Yes. So on top of that, they are yes. also keeping DRS. So the cars so can be ten percent within each other and DRS. So then, allow me. So even now, when you watch DRS zones, you can see the car behind is like five, six kilometers faster than yep. the other one. No, right? So they, they pass them quickly. It's slingshot. But imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. With the in, improved uh, air. Yeah. That this will be even more intense, right? Yeah. It will be a slingshot like yeah. 2.0. Exactly. They will like fly in front of them, yep. right? So. Like I said, all the regulations That's are there to create more overtaking, right? More, more challenge, more exciting. I, I, I like that exactly, right? And the thing that they're changing too is uh, because now the front wing and rear wing is going to be almost like a spec wing. You won't be able to do much to it. Uh, the floor, the floor pan, so everything that's under the car is now free to use. Versus now, right now, it's the wings are pretty much free to use within certain limitation, and the floor pan are really, really regulated. So they're going the other way around. And the thing with floor pan is you can create a suction. If you do like what we call ground effects, so the slides, and you create the whole car as like a diffuser, you can create the car as suction that's going to go down, right? So you go getting your downforce from underneath the car. And with that, what's happening is you don't have any dirty air because it's all under happening under the car, right? And you still have downforce. So... Overall, they're only expecting to lose, like, overall downforce for the one car doing uh, it on the racetrack, 10 to 20%. And that's always, like, the case because after that, the team, within, like, a year or two, they're, like, figured things out and they're better than the before the regulation, right? So the first, 2022 is going to be a bit slower than 2021, but 2023 is going to be faster than 2021. It's always like that. Right, right. <clears throat> and the downforce now will be all coming from under the car, so they don't really need... Most of it, Anything yeah. else, right? Yeah, most of it. Um, so another thing that you're doing too is that's more of the on the um, R&D side, there will be no more mid-Grand Prix upgrade. There'll Which be, is, what? what is that for somebody who doesn't know? And that's uh, me. <laughs> so right now, um, you know, the cars are at the track from Thursday to Sunday, right? So um, there's some testing on Thursday sometimes. Friday is all the practice, right? And you don't always need to practice. Like, let's say Hamilton, you know the track by heart. So you, they're well, not... You, I mean, okay, as long as... Unless there's a new track, right? And yeah, 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 But they're not using as much the, that practice to um, test the track. They're using that to test the car. Because they have simulation rigs. Like, when the driver is at the track, you already know the track by heart because it's been hours and hours in their simulators. So what they do is they just confirm... St- they they confirm stats from um, 
uh, their simulation stuff. So when they do uh, wind tunnel and the simulation on the downforce, on the traction and all stuff like that, at the track during the practice, that's what they're going to do. They're going to just test those things out, right? So on the cars, there's um, a bunch of sensors, like thousands of them. And some of them are like for downforce, so like air pressure on some section of the car and other stuff like that, right? So when they do real life application on what they do in simulation, they sometimes find disparities. Mm -hmm. So when they do that, they're going to do some change. A best example is Ben's mid-season on Bottas' car. At some point, they were testing winglets on the nose. It was like two small wings on the mm -hmm. nose. And that was a mid-Grand Prix upgrade. So... Friday, they test parts. They, they test cars on track. They, oh man, we didn't figure this thing out in the tunnel because the tunnel doesn't have the same air in that place. So overnight, they build that part in the UK and they ship it to wherever they are in the world and sell it in the car. So the next day during qualifying, they have a better car. The amount of money that it's not things so. cost <laughs> and they're just through burning through yeah. during the, the season, it's, yeah. um, it's quick, insane uh, to me. Quick trivia. Uh, what's the price of a front wing? Of a front wing, yeah, they do. They think I would always say, crash. It's, um, I would say at least a hundred thousand dollars, between two fifty and seven hundred. Oh my God, you how much is a car fully full on? Like a, I thought it was like five million or something like that. What's the price of a power unit? Power unit. Uh, um, in pounds sterling. In ster in pounds sterling. Let's say let's say let's say let's say seven hundred thousand. Seven million. Okay, I'm a bit. I'm just. I'm close. <laughs> yeah, just a zero. Uh, no, one zero. So, Seven million pounds. Yeah. So uh, how much is a car? Depend on the race team between ten and twenty million pounds. I was totally in the wrong. I thought there was yeah, like no. five. Jesus Christ, that's yeah. so much money. But it, it's all R and D, right? That that pricing is from the R and D and the carbon parts. It's exotic materials, all of it. <laughs> I get it. I I wonder the what does the driver feel when they crash a car by by mistake? <laughs> it's another uh, it's another day. That was actually uh, uh, there's a there's a good Netflix TV show for somebody who's not into F1, and this is something that kind of made me become a fan of F1. Right? Uh, there's a Netflix show called um, Drive to Survive. There's two seasons currently on Netflix or available. It's very interesting because it it kind of let's say peels the onion of F1 yeah. and, and get, gets into like the the behind the scenes of it, and it, it is very interesting. If you overlook the facade, it might not look super interesting when you see cars are going in circles on the, on TV, but it's all about the little technical details. And yeah, once you get into them, it becomes super interesting. The, the team is a thousand people. Like, people yeah, it's, see the it's, it's an organization. Uh, yep. Some of them are publicly traded companies, yep. right? It, uh, the, the one thing about the, the cost of the car, I think that kind of uh, played a big role in Gosley's, um, uh, let's say, confidence is that he was crushing cars quite a bit, right? Yep. And at some point, uh, I think you can see that in the in the Netflix show that uh, uh, James Horner, who's the the, the principal of yep. Red Bull, he was talking to him about like, hey, you gotta it's pricey. stop breaking our cars. Like, yeah. you gotta be yeah, every crash is like millions of dollars yeah. every time. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, no more mid Grand Prix upgrades on cars. So what you're coming in with, it's what you're leaving with. So that's a car. Right? That's just the car you're talking uh, about. Yeah, still. And la uh, last thing on uh, the car, before I go to uh, the team as a whole, um, there'll be a limited limited limitation on uh, the number of replacement parts over a Grand Prix. So, for example... What if you crash too much? What happens? I don't think it's going to be bodywork stuff. I'll give you an example. Earlier, we were talking about Daniel Ricciardo when he's really aggressive, right? Uh, brake pads and brake rotors, they'll have a limitation during the weekend. So let's say they have four sets for a whole weekend practice qualifying and for race. both cars let's say yeah 
Okay. Uh, there's no numbers out yet, but there'll be limitation on, on consumables, right? So the teams will have to plan accordingly and drivers will have to manage their styling of driving accordingly too. So there's a lot of ammunition that's pushing the teams to work within the same confinement because right now right. teams have infinite budget. It's as much as they can pull in. It's as much as they can do. Right. 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 Ferrari and Benz are like on paper right now, their budget a year is between 350 to 500 million pounds a year. It's probably as much as the last three teams combined. Each other, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like Haas is 200. I thought Williams was like the lowest with 120 or something yeah. like that. Right? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, but the thing is, that's what they uh, discard, right? Uh, people are saying that Ferrari and Benz are closer to the billion dollar a year <laughs> in uh, spending right now, right? Um, so talking about spending, the last two points for 2022 is going to be spending restriction. So cost cap of $175 million USD per team right and that's okay that's, that's a, a car big, that's a that's a per team two right. cars right uh so what that's what they call for performance so um uh quote unquote it's the r d um so that's all your engineer salaries all your facilities all your mechanics uh the only thing that can consider out of that is your two driver salary and your top three of your team and you choose who your top three are most most likely is going to be Team principal, chief uh, engineer, and uh, chief designer. That's the teams that people on the okay. all, all on the wall, Makes right? Sense. They're the three person, like running the team, building the car, making sure the car runs. Pretty right. much makes right? sense. Uh, and the drivers are separate, right? Yeah. They're so there's only five people in the whole team that won't be considered in that um, salary cap. And what the FIA did for that, not to have another Ferrari situation, is that the um, all that restriction is going to be. Um, enforced by a separate entity of the FI or the F1 or any team. So every team will have like a accountant for them and the guy's literally going to go through all their stuff at every Grand Prix and compiling everything. That is interesting. Yeah. So, and those guys are, was implemented this season. So this season team were able to see what were going to be the um, um, restrictions and all those things. So they have all the ruling right now for those restrictions. They just don't have um, the uh, bad side of it. So what happens if, if if you overspend or you don't do respect the re restriction? Underspend, overspend, no. <laughs> uh, they'll have um, uh, tickets. They'll have to pay the FIA some amount of money and they can lose championship points. Oh. And or oh. have restriction on their drivers and or cars and or team for some Grand Prix. I see. Uh, yeah. Last thing too, that's for the newcomers for 2022. Every team is required over the full season for at least two practice sessions to give the seat to a driver that has driving less than two Grand Prix in his whole life. So they have to bring a driver from somewhere else? From driving school, from their testing program, for anywhere. During the year... So what is that for? To bring new people into the sport that, like we said earlier, that uh, you, know, you can buy your seat, but now the team will need to bring people in. So... If they have to, chances are they're going to bring people that are good. Right. Right? right. Because by ruling, twice a year, they needed someone who haven't drove at least two Grand Prix in his whole life. So chances are going to be test drivers. Is it going to be um, newcomers from different racing? Right. And stuff like that. So even if it, it's not for your team, someone's going to see them drive and they have a lot more chance to get a seat following season. Right. Interesting. Right. So all of those regulations 
so the sport is more enjoyable for us right. to watch. Oh, absolutely. So that's the that's just we just covered the car aspect of the, the changes for uh, the well car the team salary cap and new driver pretty much that's a big big things there's right. a lot of other things but those are the big lines that will be very very exciting and I I, I honestly can't wait to see yeah. well the new cars and the let's say an increased competition so the other question to be uh, to ask is that you said that the budget would be 185 million 175 175 million right yeah for teams like Williams who even today only have 120 to spend what's that going to mean they will not be able to spend more money right? uh, well the thing is all it's a you need to justify that's a big game right the reason that team like Benz and Ferrari are able to justify those amount of uh, spending is because they can apply those things uh, to a real product right that you and me can buy so Benz car Ferrari cars and technology McLaren has their McLaren technology stuff they build technology for cars and hospitals out of all those things um, Haas has a huge CNC stuff Haas before being race cars they're CNC manufacturers like a CNC machine and they build those things so the thing is when you do R&D and stuff like that you develop new technology you can apply them back to a product so you can justify right. your spending Williams always has been and maybe you always will be a race car development pro uh, company they build engines they build chassis that's what they do right so right now let's say that Benz can only spend 175 million and you're spending 120 now you could maybe way more easily justify that 50 million okay, gap I see. because hey now i can win i can put williams on the map i can justify that in marketing costs i can justify that right in, right and all those things so i see what you mean exactly so it's just now it's easier for the lower team to justify a higher salary as the bigger team they need to adjust for the lower team as a better chances right right makes sense uh that makes a lot of sense uh, so it's not for the lack of sponsorship, yeah. it's and, justification. And, and another example, Red Bull, that whole t team started as a marketing um, program for Red Bull to sell energy drink. And now they have um, Red Bull applica application technologies. That's their like R&D department that build cars for the manufacturer. So the new Aston Martin Valkyrie is built by Red Bull. It is a interesting tangent that this company took, right? Yeah. After joining F1, and it, it, it's and, and once again, it was to justify salaries, it was to justify R and D, it was to justify all those things, right? It started as marketing. It, it became a company on itself, right? A technology company. Uh, very cool. Uh, very cool. Um, is there anything else would you like you would like to cover that we haven't covered yet? I think that's a good overall for 2020 and the upcoming season. Um, maybe a closing statement is, it's always hard to tell, especially when there's a sport like that that's changing a lot. It's like, if you can imagine like uh, FIFA or the NHL or the NFL changing their rule every five years, it's the same thing. Right. In, in F1, normally a cycle of new regulation is five years. And in the past, there's regulation that show that same team can win. And there's regulation that show that new team's going to win. Red Bull was the best example. They came out of nowhere. They bought like a failing company of F1. And Which company was that? I don't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's, it was Jaguar F1. Okay. Yeah, Jaguar F1. And they bought it for a dollar. <laughs> because the thing is in the contract, Jaguar was owned by Ford at the time. And Ford, when they were selling Jaguar, it was like they're selling the whole F1 team for a dollar, but they had to run the team for three years. It wasn't really a dollar. It was a dollar, but you had to... It was a lot of between the lines. Yeah, you're buying buildings, you're buying people, you're buying a whole company, right? right? And in the contract, they had to run that the team and the employees for three years. 
uh, and they did they did more than three years now. But um, yeah, so and Red Bull was the best example. The first two three years they had a hard time, and a new regulation came in with Vettel, and they're able to destroy the competition. They were winning like Benz is winning right now. Right. So new regulation will show us new teams, new like maybe Aston Martin is going to be the best team ever now. Who knows? Very exciting. Uh, and uh, I, when I was looking at let's say, the most dominant years, I think when Vettel was with Red Bull, there was one year where he won something like 13 or 14 races out of 20, yep. and he won the last eight or nine in a row, yep. which makes... I think he had twice as many points as the second guy. That was just... Yep. Maybe... I feel like that year, he probably like solidified his win like halfway into the season, basically, yep, right? pretty much. And then the rest of the season, he's like, yeah, I'm just driving for fun. Yeah. I don't really need to. Last thing before we uh, we leave you guys. Um, it's Vettel was so good. Like the car was so developed for him and like everything around the team that he was able to do a full Grand Prix without changing his tires. And the thing in F1, by regulation, you need at least one pit stop. So he was pitting on his last lap. And it was like a full minute sometime in front. Like it's not almost, it was almost lapping the last position in the race. I, I found that uh, year, it's Vettel's uh, 2013. That's his, uh, la- the year before last that he won. Yep. It's his third year in a row. He won 13 races total. And he won the nine, nine last year races. So basically half of the last races, he just won every single one of them. Yep. And he had uh, 397 points. Second uh, driver, Fernando Alonso, had 242, right? So he has 150 points more. Uh, as impressive. I, I mean, I wasn't really into F1 at that point, but I feel like it's it was very interesting to watch. All right, so I think this was a pretty excellent podcast. It was a good tangent that we took. Uh, yep. F1 is an interesting sport, and I, I, I think one can draw a parallel to uh, being a watch enthusiast the devil is always in the details, right? Uh, watches, you know, the once you see the f- the face, let's say the facade, uh, you know, it's not it's not it's what not appeals to yeah. people, right? It's only once you start to look behind the scenes that's when you be- start to become a watch enthusiast. And F one, I think, is very similar. Uh, judging by my own experience, it's um, it's I, I didn't really care about watching cars on TV go in circles until I started to understand that every single little millisecond and little millimeter yeah. of material or the, 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 the gram or milliliter of yeah. the mixture that they put in their engine. Everything matters like there's nothing. And just a little deviation from that could result to a loss of a yep. championship. So that's when you start to understand how awesome it is because everything is super meticulous. Mm-hmm. And for somebody it's a, who's uh, OCD, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting it's thing to follow. Satisfying. It's an engineering sport. People right. have to understand that. Right. Uh, exactly. There's one driver and there's 900 engineers behind him. That's a thing. Um, so this was excellent. It was the best podcast we ever had. Honestly, I think, I think the fact that we today are basically assembled as a full, full team, team yeah. uh, shows how good we are when we are all together. Exactly. Um, and on this note, uh, let's, uh, let's finish it up. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is going to be the closing podcast of the year. Yep. Uh, we took a little bit of a tangent. Uh, it's more fun, more enjoyable. Uh, everybody, uh, enjoy your holidays. Uh, hopefully, next year will be um, better than this one. It and will. It has to be. It should be. And uh, uh, if you have any comments, please find us on Instagram. Our Instagram link is uh, uh, Big Black Clock Official. 
send all of our any any money or watches endorsements to me any dick pics to carl And or any any hate mail yeah. also to Carl. Any lawsuits also to Carl. <laughs> And that's it. There's nobody on else this. on our team, so... Bye! Bye!